You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I would definitely say, at least from a personal standpoint, what I always highly suggest for people is just making sure your mental is all good. You know, you don't want to leave the football world and not have an identity per se, even though I know that's easier said than done just because, you know, your whole life for football. Like, I definitely can say that I, as soon as I retired from football, I knew exactly what I was, what I wanted to do. I was still like retired football player. Like, I don't know how that you know, but it's just make sure the mental is straight. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Warden, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, it was also in 2013 when Jordan Villeman joined Oregon State, coming to the OSU football team, recruited by Mike Riley, and playing five years, really four years on the field, five years in the program for Jordan Villeman, a wide receiver at OSU and just a really fun guy to talk to if you've ever seen an interview seen him on film or talked with Jordan you probably like the guy and excited to share this conversation with you quick snapshot of what Jordan did in his career came to OSU in 2013 could not play that entire year because of NCAA eligibility issues came back the next year and was a backup in 2014 but then has a breakout game in the middle of the year against Utah two touchdowns and he ends up leading the team that season with six touchdown catches then Mike Riley leaves Gary Anderson comes in and it's a decent year for Jordan in fact he leads the team in 2015 with 660 receiving yards five touchdowns still not the greatest offense that season Oregon State didn't really pass the ball very effectively Jordan had two more years after that where he stayed at OSU but things weren't as easy for him he kind of had an up and down career didn't really put up the numbers his last couple years that he did in his first two and we'll talk about why that was and the multiple reasons for that and uh, he's he's open about that, and we talk about some other important topics as well, including what he's doing now. He lives down in uh, Southern California, San Diego, in a more of a, a corporate role now, uh, moving up in the, the business ladder, so that's how we start the conversation. Real quick, a word from our sponsor, Oregon Marketing Group. They're a local business, so if you use their services, you're supporting workers who are based right here in the community. They, they do everything in-house, so whatever your marketing and advertising needs are, you could go through them to get full-service websites, you know, advertisements, social media, video production, radio spots, anything that your business needs, whether it's a big project or you want to keep it low budget, something small, they can help with that. So Oregon Marketing Group is online, OregonMarketingGroup.com, and you can check out their link in the description as well. All right, here is former Oregon State wide receiver, a native of Fontana, California. Please welcome Jordan Villamit. Jordan, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Just got off work. You know, had a long, nice little work day, but you know, not too bad. And I get to go home and eat some ice cream, so it's exciting. Ice cream is always good. What What is the job that you've got down there? Which What you doing these days? I am working for Enterprise Rental Car, and I've been at uh, Enterprise for about a year now, since uh, November. So uh, it's not bad. I like it. I like I like it. Long hours, but I mean, other than that, like the job is fun. It's not bad. I get to interact with a lot of people, so it makes the day go by fast and stuff. That's good. What, what's your role or, or job title there? 
Uh, job title, I guess it's a management trainee. So I'm like in the, the management program or whatever that they're doing. I should, I want to say, be getting promoted within the next half a year to become an assistant manager. So that's, that's exciting. I just got to do a couple interviews and stuff and phone, I guess, phone calls or whatever. And then I should be up there. So not bad. I like it. I feel like you're definitely the type of people person where some sort of management team operation, that's what, that's what you're all about, right? Yeah, I definitely want to, I mean, I guess it's, I wouldn't say it's a passion, but I definitely like being like in the managerial role, be able to help other people and stuff like that and be able to create different things and make make job experience fun. You know, jobs aren't as fun for people, you know, having to get up and go to work, but if I can make it at least easier for them to get up and come to work, then, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing what's a tip you would give someone someone who like rents cars a lot or like mistakes that people make where they pay too much money or get a weird car but you know the inside like oh if, if you rent a car you got to do this or that is there some like thing that people make a mistake with a lot never call into the branch because the branch's price is always going to be 30 percent higher than what it would be online if you are going to call in first thing you want to say is that you want to make a reservation so they can pass you over to the reservation specialist and for holidays, I want to be as clear as possible, just because we've had so many problems. Book the reservation to minimum two weeks in advance. If you book it like two days ahead of time, you will not get the car. I'm telling, I am telling you from, from personal experience and from stressful headaches at work, if you book like, especially it's like a specialty, if you book like a specialty car two days and it's like a thing and like a holiday, you know, you're not getting that car. You're going to get a minivan. And that, and that we have no nothing else unless you want to downsize. So. I like to tell people, hey, <laughs> book it as early as possible. If you need to modify, you can always change it, you know, figure out the dates and stuff. Just get the price locked in so that it's the cheapest. And so that when you do come in and you need to switch into something else, price is going to be the same. Mm. Maybe you aren't the guy who, you know, sees the car and checks it back in when people bring it back. But if, has anyone ever brought a car back and it's just like trashed on the inside and they didn't explain why? <laughs> yeah, see, when it... it, it <laughs> It's funny because it's funny, I actually, I do the check-ins all the time. And the inside isn't bad because we have our own, like, uh, car washers and stuff, and they're literally their job is to clean cars. It's just if the outside has hella scratches, dents, and stuff like that, or if the car just smells like cigarette smoke and stuff, then I'm going to have an issue because it's like, if it already smells like smoke, it's going to take me four or five days for it to clear out. And and then I'm, I don't have four or five days to clear it out because literally in the next 30 to an hour, I'm going to be renting that same car. And so it's like... <laughs> I'll get it to a person. They're like, this car smells like smoke. And I'm like, ah, this is the one. I can't get you this one. Let me go get you a different car, you know, because I'm like, all right, let me just let this sit out in the parking lot for a couple of days, losing money just because somebody wanted to smoke a cigarette in the car. I understand. Just please just do it outside. Just do it away from the car and everything is all smooth. <laughs> That's great. That That's helpful. Well, you're in San Diego. You've stayed close with your mom. Uh, what's it like, you know, having that relationship? I mean, uh, I feel like I've heard you talk about how close you are, how much, you know, she means to you. What's it like to still be with her and, and keep that relationship, not just relationally close, but geographically close too? Uh, it's nice. Um, she, I def, when I definitely moved down here, I was, it was for her because she was down here, you know, free rent, you know, all that good stuff. And then she just moved back to Riverside to, for her new church or whatever, and I stayed down here, but it definitely is super nice being at least, like, less than two hours away from her, so I can at least help her whenever she needs help. You know, she's starting to get a little older, so, I, you know, I want to be able to at least be close enough to, you know, be there when she needs me and all that good stuff, but it's nice 
especially being gone for five years. And I know you, I talked to you about it. Like I'm super close to my mom because it was just me and my mom and my grandma growing up. So it's, it's just literally been me and her. So she's kind of like my, you know, like my mini, my mini world and stuff like that. So I just want to make sure she's, she's said. And then her moving up to Riverside is a lot better because she has um, at least her, some of her sisters up there and some family and cousins. So she has at least more people closer than she would down here. So it gives me a little bit more peace of mind knowing that at least she has loved ones that are close and she's not going to be lonely, you know, don't have to worry about um, coming down to see me all the time and bothering me. She can, also, she can just stay up there and hang out with her cousins and uh, sisters and stuff. I think the, the, the terminology would be a, a PK is what a lot of people call it. I'm not a PK myself, but preacher's kid. Uh, what, what was the experience like growing up being a PK? Uh, I met so many different people. It was weird. It was. It definitely uh, helped me to where I'm now, where I'm, a, I guess I, you could say, a people person and good at talking to other people because I had, from a young age, I had to go to all these little functions and talk to all these grown adults and all these people and, like, sit there and be, be a good boy, you know, can't embarrass my mom in front of all her other colleagues and stuff. And so I learned how to, I guess, talk to older people, talk to people, just make conversation and stuff like that, which helped me a lot. And then um, being a PK, it was cool. You know, obviously they always say that, you know, pastor's kids are some of the, I guess, not the best kids because they're just, you know, so used to being the strict and stuff like that. And I, I wouldn't say that's for me. I definitely, you know, had my fun, you know, and everything like that. But I wouldn't say I'm like a bad kid or anything like that. I just have gotten over church a little bit. I haven't gone as many times as my mom would probably like. But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to go to another church when I have my mom. So I'm like, ah, like ah, if I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go see my mom. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm. I'm a little biased and you know with that would she sermonize you know when you were a kid or, or give you long uh you know monologues at you either growing up or now it's it, it, for 25 years it's never changed <laughs> for 25 years she's always had like she's always been the person to like if I did something small wrong but she don't like it it's going to be a 20 minute conversation at the minimum at the minimum and it's going to be two minutes of me talking and the rest is going to be her explaining why she don't like it in different forms and I'm just like oh, mom <laughs> I'm like come on please I was like I get it I messed up just let me go to my room and just ground me I don't I don't even know what's going on you know when you started playing for Mike Riley who was the first coach you had at Oregon State because uh, you came in let's see here was 2013 your first fall uh, okay mm-hmm. what was that like uh, to have Mike Riley as a coach a leadership style he had what was it like playing for Mike Riley? It was great. I love, 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 love Coach Riley. By far one of my favorite coaches I've ever, you know, played for, played with, all that good stuff. He's definitely like a super, super laid back guy. So his teaching style is more like, I would say, at least personally for me, was more like you're going to do it. And then when you mess up, I'm going to let you know how you messed up. And then we're going to work on it. You know what I'm saying? Like life lesson kind of learning, you know, learn from experience and stuff, which has always helped me. And then he, his leadership is just, you know, take the positives out of all the situations, you know, play the best you can, do all the things that you can control, and then everything should work out at the end is kind of what his, what his whole, I guess, preaching preaching was and coaching style was. So it definitely was, was great. He's definitely, I don't want to say this in any type of negative connotation, but he's like a grandpa where it's like you can go up to him and talk to him about any problem that you have, but at the same time you also highly respect what he has to say so you never want him to get mad or yell at you you're always just like all right let me just do what he needs what he asks like I may not agree with it at the same time but he probably knows a lot more than what I know about the situation so let me just do it learn from the experience see if I learn something from it and then go from there 
you kind of had your breakout in 2014, that Utah game, especially a couple touchdowns. I think a lot of people may not have even known that you were in the program in 2013, unless they kind of kept up and read articles and stuff. Um, I remember maybe seeing you and be like, man, who's that six foot five receiver over there? Why, he, why is he not on the field? Uh, whatever details you can share. I remember the story it's you know something with ncaa and what i don't even know so whatever you can share what what was going on in 2013 so it actually stems back to 2012 when i was in high school or i guess maybe 2010 i did this sophomore year class that i don't know if i passed correctly there was some weird little little, little issue that went on with it like i think transcripts got messed up so i had to retake it as like a summer school class going before i went up to oregon so like that want to say like a month before graduation, high school graduation, I started doing this little, the, the class to retake some of these classes. And I did like at least two or three more just to get my GPA up a little bit higher. And so I did that whole program. And what I was told from my, at least my counselor that these are gonna be NCAA eligible, like these are totally fine. You need to take this so you can essentially be eligible to play your freshman year. And so I was like, all right, let me do this. Cause I wanna, you know, and I wanna play as a true freshman. I've been told I, you know, if I work hard enough and you know, I do what I'm supposed to. I play as a true freshman. You know, that's Coach Brendan and Riley said. So I was like, all right, like my plan is to come in and play automatically. I'm not going to start, but I wanted to play as a freshman. So I did all those classes, did everything. And then I get to Oregon State and then I go through the beginning little program. I think our little summer school thing that we did there, did the classes and then was going into fall camp. And I want to say like a week or a week and a half before our first game was when I was told that they're like, yo, technically, you're academically academically ineligible because these classes aren't supported by the NCAA. I don't, you know, whoop de whoop da 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 this. And so I was kind of like sitting there, like I've been told one thing, got told another thing, and now I'm sitting here can't play football because somebody I trusted told me that these classes were supposed to be okay. So I was like, all right, well, at the end of the day, I can't really go back to 2012 and fix the stuff that I did or do whatever. I was like, I'm ready here. I already kind of got my scholarship. I'm ready in the football program. I'm just gonna stay and work out and try to at least get get my weight down get a little bit bigger get a little bit faster stronger and stuff like that so I was like I just took that year off and then I actually had to work out by myself because I technically wasn't even on the football team then so I was like uh it was pretty much a gray shirt so I was uh, I was there for school but not football if that makes sense I could do all the the eating with them I could do some of the meetings with them but I couldn't work out or practice with them so I was like all right so it's not bad I got to focus on myself I got to do like one-on-one training with one of my uh now good friends and then um, one of the trainers, I forget if it, it was Tim and then I got Shane Wallen as both of them. But Tim was the one that helped me in the beginning and we just, you know, just worked out super hard, did our, did our, did our things. He kind of helped me with, um, what's it called, at least getting my uh, conditioning better, which helped. So all in all, I mean, it was a, it was a terrible situation just to be in because I was like, you know, told one thing and a different, but then it came out to be a blessing because I was able to get my foot in the ground for school at least and understand what I need to do for schoolwork and get all that stuff uh, set up and what college life was and then also being able to um, I guess mature being on my own trying to figure out my life trying to um, essentially just get better at football while not being with the team so I was like I, it was like a good mental mental toughness type of type of deal because I you know working out by yourself is way harder than it is with uh, other teammates and trying to do all this football stuff by yourself when it's when your dog tired and all the good stuff but it definitely made my mental toughness a lot better and made it easier for me to what I have to do now in life essentially 
Yeah, I, I think that's cool. The the stories, the, th- the unexpected twists and turns of careers, whether athletic careers or otherwise, and how they they ultimately made you stronger than you would have been had you just come in and played in 2013 like a like a normal athlete with all the normal NCAA stuff. Um, you spent five years in Corvallis, a town that feels 99% white, and it basically is 99% white. <laughs> What was your experience being a, a black student athlete or just a black human being, period, living in Corvallis? Uh, it was definitely a super culture shock. Cause, uh, my, at least in Fontana, like minorities are the majority. You know, my high school was majority minority, if that makes sense. And like minority was white people and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a definite culture shock going from like a lot of Asian people, black people, Mexican people, and all the other races to just like strictly, you know, white people all around. But I mean, it wasn't necessarily bad. You know, it's a different culture. I got introduced to like different things. You know, I realized that I'm an outdoorsy person because I went to Oregon, you know, Oregon State and stuff. So I was like, all right. I didn't realize I liked the woods like that, but you know, it's cool. Uh, And then um, I guess just trying to fit in, even though I don't necessarily want to say I want to fit in to to certain places because I'm just going to be me regardless of what, you know, what happens. But it was like a, getting acclimated, getting acquainted, getting understanding what the town per se was about, you know, and I definitely really believe, truly believe that I made the right decision. Cause I mean, Corvallis is one of those towns that I didn't get any of, I guess, bad vibes or anything like that. Like all the negativity, nothing. I didn't really have to deal with any that much racism or anything like that. Obviously it's normal, you know, being around, you know, that amount of people and stuff, you're going to bound to hear some stuff, but it was never, any issue where I've always been like, ah, oh, man, I can't wait to leave this place. These people are so weird. Da, 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 da. It was just like, oh, this is this is different. I'm kind of liking it. Like these people are very, very nice, very fun, you know. And I was like, all right, this is this is this is cool. I can get behind it, you know. I can't say I would live there the whole time just because I, you know, it's just <laughs> growing up in Southern California. I kind of I kind of so used to just having like so many more people that look like me, you know, around and stuff like that. So I can at least share in different. Um, I guess experiences and cultures, but it was cool nonetheless just to be around that. It's different experiences, different different life life journeys and stuff, and it was cool to get an understanding and you know perspective on those. Yeah, yeah, I, I respect that that honesty, and that's that's good to hear and totally understandable for sure. I, I want to ask your favorite memory and the hardest memory, like the best thing you remember about Oregon State, the most difficult memory, whether it's one particular thing, could be sports related, could be beyond sports, could be a broader thing that happened over the course of your career. Let's start with the best thing. So that the fondest memory, the thing you like to daydream about, what comes to mind for you and your time at Oregon State? It might be that Utah game. That was actually one of the most fun things I've done. Just because it was just, it just happened out of nowhere. You know, like we're talking about like like twists and turns for the career. Like I wasn't even starting that game until halftime when I got told, hey, like 10 minutes before going out, like, hey, you're starting the second half. <laughs> Richard's out for possibly the next <laughs> next whole season. I was like, oh, dude. I was like, all right, like, you know, like I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, prepared for this, you know, you know what I'm saying? I physically prepared for this. Mentally, it was just like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, playing. I was like, oh, 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 I'm actually, oh, I'm starting. Oh, okay. It's time to go. It's, it's time to get in. Definitely, you know, playing a top, I think they were like top 15, top 12 at the time or something like that. So, it was, you know, first time playing against like a, a nationally ranked opponent in my, you know, you know, my young career. And I feel like I had a pretty good game. And I was like, I think I belong. I was like, I think I can, 
do something out here, you know, I don't, you know, my confidence boosted a lot and then it took off. And then even in that same year, I want to say my most, probably the second most fun I had was when we beat ASU when they were number six, the first year of the playoffs. Like I, I you know, there was nothing that can compare to that besides us beating Oregon after those, those you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we'll get to that later. I was exciting, but like, I was just, I was like, it's the number six team in the nation. Like, they just beat Notre Dame the week before, like, handled them, beat them by 20 and stuff like that. So, I was, like, going into it, I was like, this is going to be a fun matchup. Nobody expects us to win, but we're on ESPN, so that means all my boys can watch and my mom can watch. So, I was like, I got to actually show out for sure. And then, you know, we ended up winning the game, one of the most fun games I have ever, ever, ever been a part of. And, you know, it had both tops and turns. You know, we were down at halftime, came back to win, had that pick six by Mike Doc at the end, and I was like, ah. I was like, you can't write it any better. I was like, this is one of the most fun, fun times. And then obviously, Oregon beating Oregon at home. I, I don't think anything else compares to that after an eight-year winless streak. You know, being able to be like the first senior class to beat them in the eight years. I was like, yeah. I was like, I, I did what I came here for. I was like, this is great. I was like, this is everything I wanted with the fans rushing the field for the first or the second time in my career, and then uh, it being just like the. Like the, the the one of the biggest rivalries in college football, just to be a part of it and be able to be say like, hey, yeah, I beat them when you know they were supposed to, they were good and we weren't good, but we did it. You know, we did the thing, and then especially coming this year, four year anniversary, I was definitely definitely in my branch that next Monday and was like, yeah, go beefs, y'all can't tell me anything for the rest of the year. Everything I say is gonna be responded with a go beefs. So I hope all y'all ready. They're a little annoyed at me now because it's been a week straight of me literally saying OBs every time I walk into the office. But they, they should have expected it after they seen the, the victory. Because I got a text message, like a group text message. They're like, hey, go bees. And I was like, yep, expect some ignorance Monday. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun to say you're now not the last team to beat Oregon. There's another team to have done it. So that's good to say. Okay, let's talk about most difficult thing, whether one moment or a, a theme during your career. What was a hard, difficult thing during your time in Corvallis? I'd say there's two that would definitely be when I wasn't able to play my freshman year just because it was something totally new, like the first couple of months was some of the hardest things in my life because I felt like I wasn't a part of the team. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I didn't know my teammates like that. I didn't really interact with too many of them just because I wasn't around all the time. So I kind of felt like I was like a, a football player that wasn't on the football team, you know? So it was like a, definitely a weird, weird situation, you know, going from high school, being like on, you know, on the team, doing all this stuff, being the starter to – pretty much being on the outside looking in essentially like I'm a, I'm a non-athlete, you know, at that point. So it was definitely difficult because going by yourself, doing all that stuff by yourself, anything, you know, and trying to trying to explain to people like, hey, why aren't you <laughs> traveling with the team? Or, hey, why is, you know, and I'm just like, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. So that was definitely difficult, but it wasn't the worst. But I will, I want to say maybe senior year, probably the like the end of football season senior year was probably the worst just because as soon as coach a quit week six I was kind of like you know like why did why why am I here you know what what's the point like and I'll give you a little fun fact I'll give you a little little tidbit um going into that season actually coach Anderson asked me if I wanted to transfer he kind of like I wouldn't say maybe forced it on me but it was one of those things like are you transferring kind of thing like going into my senior year and I was kind of like kind of felt I was like oh you don't want me here you know I was like i been here for four years longer than you I know this team in and out like these are all my boys like they all you know I was like all right like if that's what it is like I'm gonna have to rethink you know what's going on but I ended up staying just because like I'm super loyal to super loyal to Oregon State as you can tell like I'm 
one of the biggest fans that you could probably ever meet. Um, and just like my teammates, I was like, I don't want to leave some of my best friends that I've made, but, you know, through lifetime and stuff. So I was like, I don't want to necessarily leave this place, you know, especially my senior year. And we're not doing that good. I want to be able to at least try to make something happen my senior year and do something, but it never ended up panning out like that. Didn't have the best year. My body was already kind of, kind of shutting down already at that point, kind of getting tired with football. And then the whole coach A thing, I was just like, uh, I was like, I kind of, after that, you, I think it was USC game. That was after when he quit or whatever. And I was kind of sitting there. I was like, why did I come back? You know what I'm saying? I was like, I could have easily just either retired from football or transfer somewhere else and then been happy. But I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I was with, I was with my boys, you know, I was able, you know, we were able to hang out, do a lot of things that we weren't necessarily able, capable of doing, you know, our first couple of years because of so much football and stuff. But I mean, it, it ended up working out. I, I would say pretty well. I mean, my body's not too, too messed up from, from the football. So I can't, I can't complain. It was just, you know, just, just the situation in the scenario. And I was just kind of like, like, you know, like, this is not, this is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. Like, even if I don't start or whatever, I don't want to be treated as like, you know, trash or like get out of here. Cause you're not my player, you know? So that was just the only, only issue I had with it. That was probably the worst thing, but I, you know, like the, freshman year incident you know just you know it is what it is get over it get on move on with your life you know you you I got life to live I can't really focus on a couple games of football so I was like all right it's fine I do think it's cool how when a team can't rally around its coach they can either fall apart or they can rally around each other and you know a lot more of the inside you know what the locker room is like but it, it's cool to me how many of those players have stuck together that you remain close with Daryl Garrettson that Marcus McMarion and Daryl are still friends and who knows how many other friendships have been maintained over that course of time and obviously the on-field stuff wasn't the greatest you know 2017 was a hard year uh, but I think that is a, a cool piece of it um <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a hard year. 2017, man. That's uh, that's a hard way to go oh, out for your senior year. Man, bro, there was like 11 straight games. I was like, bro, this is the worst, worst feeling I've ever had in my life. I was like, I was like, my high school team wasn't even this bad my freshman year. I was like, this is dumb. I was I was so upset, but you know, it is what it is. Like, I there's only so much you can control. Yeah. One of the lingering questions I've always felt, I, I was so curious about at the time, and maybe you can set the record straight for however, however much you want to share about this, or maybe there's really not much of a crazy answer. Maybe it's just pretty simple, but it, it was kind of a big storyline of Jordan Villeman looks amazing 2014 breakout season. And then it was, is he injured? Is it, it was something to do with the coaching? What, what's going on? Because you looked really good, but just, I don't know what it was in the next few years. It just like, it didn't feel like that 2014 guy grew into whatever, you know, it's hard to, how do you guess what a player is going to be, but what was going on? Was it just kind of your body shutting down a little bit? Was it, I mean, Mike Riley finished in 2014. Was it game plan coaching or whatever it may be? What would you say? I'd say it was a multitude of things. I don't want to put blame on anybody else other than myself because I was the one out there, you know what I'm saying? I definitely say after my first freshman and sophomore year when I had those two good years and then, you know, the first – I guess my second year was okay. That was the first year with Anderson, but it wasn't as good as it could have been because my freshman year was uh, a lot better. It was just <sighs> – hmm. I mean, Riley leaving definitely was, was a big shock. 
I definitely say I'm, I learned that I was more of a pro style receiver than any spread, you know, even though I like spread because I'm supposed to get the ball more. It was just, I feel like fitting uh, the pro style fit me a lot better just because of my size and how I, how I do my routes and everything like that. So that was one reason. The second one, a little bit of my body starting to kind of shut down a little bit. I probably could have taken care a lot, uh, taken care of it a lot better than I had, but at the same time, it was, I want to say it was more natural than anything because even all the stuff I did, like ice bathing and all the stuff, I'd still be in a lot of pain and my body wouldn't be working as well. And then also, I didn't have, I guess, the best relationship with Coach Anderson. You know, I definitely, you know, Coach Brennan was my receiver coach. That's my guy. Love him to death. You know, I still talk to him frequently. You know, now he's at San Jose State being the head coach and doing great things over there. It was just kind of like, I feel like I'm put on the back burner. Like, you know, granted, we got we got help at the receiver with Timmy coming in, which was great. You know, Vic still being there and all that stuff. So we had enough receivers to do what we needed to. I was just kind of felt like, Body shutting down. I'm on the back burner. I don't even think this man wants me here. Um, and, you know, a little bit of mental stuff where I was just like kind of getting over it. Like I was kind of like, well, why am I, you know, why am I, why, why, you know, kind of one of those like, why, why, why am I doing this? Why am I putting my body through this if I'm in so much pain and we're not winning and I'm not getting the ball, you know, a little prima donna stuff. But, you know, I was just like, ah, it's like a whole bunch of combination of things and, I just, you know, and then also Ryan coming into his own, you know, I'm not going to hate on Ryan because Ryan is a great running back and he needed the ball when he got the ball, you know, so I was just like good, good, good stuff. But I was like, I feel like it would help Ryan more if we were probably in a pro style offense, you know, instead of a spread run offense, you know, because we have, we would have more blockers in there for him instead of him getting lit up. But, you know, it's just a whole combination of things and it's just, it is what it is. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. I guess I don't, I wouldn't say I have regrets. I have little regrets here and there, but it's not anything where I'm like, man, I wish I could have done this. I wish it's just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like it is what it is. I had my two good years. I scored my touchdowns. I was able to make, you know, a top 10 for a little bit until Isaiah (laughs) kicked me out of it real quick. (laughs) But it was still like, I, I still, you know, definitely enjoyed, enjoyed it over there. It's just that, yeah, those last two years weren't football wise. Mentally, we're a lot tougher than I expected, and physically was way more tougher than my body could handle, and then it just started deteriorating from there. Yeah, that, I respect your answer because that's not an it's not an easy thing to answer. It's much easier to be like, "How did you get so good?" and "How did you get to that All American season your senior year?" And when things don't happen like that, sometimes it's easier to be like, "Well, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that." But yeah. uh, you know, those are I respect I respect that. Uh, when I mean, you talked a little bit about especially your freshman year, what it felt like to be a football player that wasn't on the football team, kind of struggling a little bit with, I'm sure that affected friendships or just kind of your identity of who you were and and kind of losing that a little bit. You got back to being a football player, but then you again went to not being a football player now, now that you're retired. And and uh, I, I think you did have a brief stint. You signed with the AAF. So you did have a little post OSU career, but tell me about what football look like post OSU but also then once it ended and what that was like to deal with all right I'm I'm not a football player anymore who am I that sort of thing gotcha um well I guess the second stint around now is a lot a lot better just because I kind of I was kind of 
I had the choice, you know what I'm saying, to whether if I wanted to keep playing or want to retire. And I was already, you know, at the point ready to retire. My, I guess the AAF was cool for a little bit, but they brought me in as a tight end. So I had to like gain a little bit of weight, do something a little bit different or whatever. And then at that point, uh, gaining the weight and then trying to do the football stuff, my body was like, yeah, no, this is, this is not going to work out. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can barely, you know, handle you being at 220, being 240 and stuff is already already too much and stuff. So it was just like, nah, it's time to go. My my knee was already starting to starting to hurt. My back was hurting, stuff like that, and things of that nature. So it was like the brief stint. I only was in the AF for like maybe three weeks, maybe that. I just did my did my thing or whatever, and then I got cut, which was cool because I was like, cool, I'm done. I'm done with football. Like this is perfect. Like this is the the sign that I need, and now I can go kind of be a regular regular person again. So it was it was, it was cool. It was a lot better. You know, I definitely already had my identity. Already knew what I kind of kind of who I was, kind of what I wanted to do or what I, who I did. And then I didn't have any regrets. Like I don't, I don't have any desire to play football again <laughs> right now. Like I barely play flag football and that it hurts my body already enough as it is. So I'm kind of like, oh, dude. <laughs> so, but it was just, it, it, was, it was cool. It was, it was a nice transition. It was easier than my going from my freshman year, you know what I'm saying? Being forced into, you know, solitude retirement until now when I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm finally ready to hang up the cleats, you know, put them on every once in a while for like little functions or whatever, but nothing, you know, nothing serious anymore. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, all right. Last question for you. If you were to give advice for another football player where they're kind of maybe near the end of their career and they're starting to think about what's next, or, or maybe it's something that you learned from a teammate, some life lesson that you took away from Oregon State, what's something that you would tell uh, a 20-year-old where they may only have a couple of years left of football and you're giving them advice about what they should do you know, while their football career is still going to prepare for, for what's next? What would you say? Um... I just say work as hard as you can, you know, obviously do the football stuff because all that hard work and all the mental toughness and stuff like that is actually going to carry over a lot more than what you would think into like a uh, real life and then jobs and stuff like that. And what I'd also say is like, if they already know that maybe they're not going to go to the NFL, like football is going to end after college, I'll definitely, definitely tell them to start looking around and starting to get jobs, like starting to take up little internships here and there, like, get a job after football season, see what you like, see what you don't like, you know. I wouldn't say take any job that you can get just because, you know, not every job is going to be great. Not every job is going to pay well. Not every job is going to be what you need to, to grow as a person. But I definitely tell people just to try different things, try some stuff that you never maybe have thought would have been good for you, you know, ask the counselors um, for stuff like that. But it would be good just to start getting in contact with more people. And then it's easier once you start getting in contact with people and they under, they realize that you played a sport, you know, because then they're more likely just to hire you just based off of the mental toughness that you've already gotten to since playing football, having to juggle school, football and the social life. That is already insanely tough, you know, as it is. And so most employers are going to see, you know, athlete, former athlete, like, and automatically be interested. It's just that everything else after that has to be, you, you know, you got to work on people skills, like talking to people, work on, you know, time management, which is really, really big, especially once you get out to the real world and you have to do all this other stuff. And just, I would definitely say, at least from a personal standpoint, what I always highly suggest for people is just making sure your mental is all good. You know, you don't want to leave the football world and not 
have an identity per se, even though I know that's easier said than done just because, you know, your whole life in football. Like I definitely can say that I, as soon as I retired from football, I knew exactly what I was, what I wanted to do. I was still like, I'm a retired football player. Like, I don't know how did you know, but it's just make sure the mental is straight. Make sure you're okay. It has to be okay. You know, you could be like, whatever, just make sure you're okay with not playing football, not doing sports and stuff like that. One last thing, if they have, if somebody has like a trade that they know, like a skill that they're good at, work it, find a job because you can get paid a lot, a lot with this specific skill and doing some stuff like that. And then also with the football background, because your, your toughness and, and attention to detail and then being able to get stuff done right then and there is going to be highly sought after. Yeah, I like that. Jordan, thanks so much for, for everything you shared. Best of luck going forth. Enterprise, get that management position and everything. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast. Perfect. Thanks for having me, brother. Well, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jordan Villeman. Always just a fun guy to talk to. Very energetic, very likable guy. And my best wishes to him uh, going forward in his career and cool stuff coming up for him. Uh, you know, managerial opportunities and it seems like he's moving up in the world. So good for Jordan and my thanks to him for coming on the podcast. By the way, I haven't asked about this in a while, but if you can leave a rating or a review on the podcast, text a friend about it and share it. I don't say this very often, but uh, go ahead and do that right now. And that would uh, be very helpful. Also learn more about the Beaver Tales documentary series. I'm producing a project about Oregon State, a podcast series I think you'll enjoy that'll tell the story of the Beaver baseball team. Even more importantly though, if you've got a chance to check out today's sponsored nonprofit, which is Old Mill Center. It's a local nonprofit, which is amazing because if you donate or volunteer or at least just learn more, you can see what's going on right here in our community. Old Mill Center is a full service provider of preschool, mental health, early intervention, parent support for children up to age 18 and their families so their services address the educational social emotional and family needs of everybody involved and so uh, they are fueled through user fees contracts but especially and thankfully the grants and donors who can help out so if you can check out oldmillcenter.org that's oldmillcenter.org thanks again for listening to the beaver tales podcast i've been your host josh warden stay tuned and hope you enjoy the rest of your december everybody good night and go beeps <laughs>